Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 189, Idaho Turkey Hunt. And I am your host and the guy who has started farming for turkeys. Now that turkey hunting is over for me, it's time to start planning a few crops for some turkeys in hopes that we'll get just the right amount of rain I'll get some good grain production and get some birds drawn in there. So, as you know, it's never too early to start planning. Today, we are 281 days, 9 hours, 26 minutes, and 36 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So, I got my field spot sprayed and broken And this weekend, I'll run back over them with the disc again and put a little seed and fertilizer on them. Assuming it rains again a few times, like I mentioned, I should have some Milo in about 75 days. And I'm also thinking about planting some dwarf corn. 
I've never planted any of it, and I'm curious to know if any of you guys have and if you had good results with it. If you have, I'd love to hear from you at andy at iamturkeyhunting.com and just kind of let me know what your results were, if it's something you would plant again, and how it held up through the hunting season, through the deer season, and if you left it standing for turkeys at all. Speaking of turkeys, let's talk some turkey hunting. So when I left you guys last week, all four of us on this trip, Chip, John, Brian, and I, tagged out in Washington the first day and a half of our seven-day hunting trip. Chip and John had a day head start on us in Idaho, scouting some public land and knocking on a couple of doors to try to get permission to hunt some private land as well. John actually secured two private land spots that were very close to the public land that Chip and John had been scouting. And after Brian and I killed Sunday morning, Chip and John took both Brian and I on a scouting trip Sunday afternoon after we'd gone into Idaho and purchased our licenses and tags. And John and Chip showed us all the areas where they found turkeys and or turkey sign Saturday afternoon and Sunday morning. Somehow, and I'm not sure how, John and I got paired up in Idaho and Chip and Brian got paired up in Idaho. Not that I really care or that it really matters to me. We all get along well and I enjoy hunting with each of them. But anyway, John and I ended up hunting some private land together and Brian and Chip hunted some public ground Monday morning. Now, at daylight Monday morning, John and I heard some birds gobble, but they were not on the private ground that we had permission to hunt. And because we sat in a blind in Washington for long enough to not want to sit down and wait on turkeys again... Neither John and I were very excited about the prospects of sitting and waiting on the gobbling birds to hopefully make their way to the private ground that we had permission to hunt. Now, we didn't know this particular little piece of information until later that same afternoon in talking to the landowner, but the birds that we were hunting on that private land were coming much closer to the house that the landowner lived in than we thought they would be. In fact, the landowner said that the birds would visit his garden around mid-morning almost every day. And his garden is about a quarter of an acre size garden that's disced up directly across the driveway from his house, maybe 30 yards from his house. And then after digging around in the disc up field, they would visit his wife's bird feeder in his front yard. A front yard that his wife spends a lot of time caring for and that looks like it should be featured in the July issue of Better Homes and Garden magazine. His wife wanted the turkeys gone, he wanted the turkeys gone, and we wanted to help with that. In fact, while talking to him Monday afternoon, we were told that it wouldn't matter to him if we shot a turkey right in the front yard at 4.30 in the morning, like I said, obviously it would have been better for John to have had this piece of intel when he secured permission to hunt the place first so that John and I would not have spent an hour or an hour and a half right at daylight Monday morning on this private land. We probably would have hunted the public land first and then come to the private land 
to see if the turkeys were in the disked up area where his garden is going to be or even at the bird feeder. So after not hearing any birds that we would have been legal to hunt at daylight, John and I headed to the public land that he and Chip hunted Sunday morning. This piece of public land is about 8,000 acres and it is some rugged terrain. It's very steep and it has some clear cut on it. It's actually timber company land and of course timber companies cut timber. So some of the clear cut that was on the property was actually on the main road that ran through the property and I'm going to guess this clear cut was probably 300 acres. You know I have a hard time really judging that and trusting that I'm accurate or at least in the ballpark because the area is so rugged. The terrain is so rugged and it rolls so much and there's so many valleys and draws and hills that it's really hard to tell exactly how big that cutover, that clear cut is. But it's a good size clear cut. As you drive into the property, that clear cut is on the right hand side of the main road. There's still quite a good bit of timber on the left hand side of the road as you drive in. So we went all the way to the back end of the property where Chip and John got some response from a couple of turkeys Sunday morning. And John and I walked down the road for a little ways and we called off and on and we stopped and glassed for turkeys out in the clear cut and we just didn't get any response. We didn't see any turkeys, nothing. So we walked back to the truck, got in the truck. We drove back towards the entrance of this piece of property that we were hunting. And we stopped and checked another spot and walked a little ways down the road in that spot, calling, glassing, and still nothing. So there was one more spot that John wanted to check, and he wanted to check it on our way out to leave this piece of property. As we're driving towards that one last spot, John pulls the truck off to the side of the road. Really and truly, there is no side of the road to this road. The road is about one and a half car widths wide. And off one edge of the road, there's about a 100 foot drop off. On the other side of the road is an embankment and the rest of the mountain going up. So he pulls over to the side of the road, puts the truck in park. He looks at me and he points straight down and he says, there is a gobbler in full strut right there. Get out, get your gun and kill him. You can kill him from the road. So I open the passenger door to the truck. Now the turkey that's in strut that John spotted is on John's side of the truck down that hundred foot drop off. And with the truck being there, I can get out of the truck and have the truck block my movement to where I can get around the back of the truck, get my gun out of the back, and slip up to the edge of the road to see if the turkey is there, which is exactly what I do. I get out of the passenger door, I walk to the back of the truck, I open the back tailgate of the Suburban, and I reach in there, I grab my gun, I load it, and I crawl to the edge of the road. And I look down that 100-foot drop-off, and I see a turkey in full strut and a jake. And they're about 70 to 75 yards away from me. Now, I wasn't real keen on the thought of taking a 70 or 75-yard shot 
at this turkey, especially when there are two turkeys that are relatively close together. I don't need to wound a turkey, and I darn sure don't need to kill two because I only have one tag. So I sat there for a second looking down the hill at the turkeys, and then it hit me. I have my fan in the back of the Suburban. Now, I'm going to call me out before any of you guys can call me out. Because you've got to be thinking the obvious at this point, and that is that I am hunting public land, and I am about to walk back to the vehicle and get my turkey fan and try to fan in a turkey on private land. How stupid is that? Well, that's a good question. You guys have heard me say on this show that numerous times that we should never use a fan on public land, and I did it. So why did I do it, and why am I telling you guys that I did it? Well, it's how I killed the turkey. And there are quite a few reasons why I felt like, at that point in time, it was as safe to use a fan on public land as it is to use a fan while turkey hunting anywhere at any time. And here's why. First and foremost, this area is very open. I am on the edge of a clear cut, on the side of a road. I think that if someone had shot me in that situation, it could hardly be deemed an accident. But there are other reasons why I felt like at that point in time, it was okay for me to use a fan on public land. Another huge reason is that in order to hunt this piece of property, anyone coming in and out of it is required to sign in. There is a sign-in board. No one else had signed in to hunt that property that morning. Now, does that mean that someone didn't come in there and not sign in, whether they forgot or they just out and out didn't do it? No, that's always a possibility. But because no one had signed in, I felt pretty comfortable that we were the only people in there. Another reason that I felt pretty comfortable that we were the only people on that land is because there were no fresh tracks coming in. There are several puddles in the road on the way in to this piece of property, and no one had driven through those puddles coming in to hunt that property that morning. Another reason, it was Monday morning, and yes, I hunt during the week a great deal, but I can tell you that when I hunt during the week, I see very few other hunters. I actually enjoy hunting public land during the week, even at home, because the turkeys, by the end of the week, start to act like turkeys again. They're not scared to death of everything, because Saturdays and Sundays in the woods are typically very busy days, especially on public land. Another reason that I felt like using the fan at that point in time was as safe as using a fan could be, is that I had another set of eyeballs with me. Now, he wasn't immediately with me. He's still in the truck, but John is with me. And if John had seen something suspicious or saw another hunter or thought that something bad was about to happen, John would have said something. I am six to eight feet away from the vehicle. It would be virtually impossible for someone to be able to see that turkey fan from a distance of 40 or 50 yards and not see the black Suburban, at least the top of it. They would also have to have seen us drive in 
if they were already that close to the turkeys to be within shotgun range. Another reason that I felt like it was safe to use a fan on public land at that point in time is that it's against the law in Idaho to hunt turkeys with a rifle. That is probably the only way that I could have even remotely been in danger is if someone had a rifle and they were out at 250 or 300 yards, saw the turkey fan, and decided to take a pop shot at it. Now, I know that people break the law. I know that people do shoot turkeys with rifles when it's not legal to do so. I do know that people break the law and they don't sign in to hunting properties when they're supposed to, but I did not feel like at that point in time that using that fan to fan in that turkey on public land was any more unsafe than using it to fan in a turkey on private land where you know you're the only person supposed to be on that property hunting. Using the fan to fan a turkey in, I really and truly do not believe is ever 100% safe. I also don't believe that turkey hunting is ever 100% safe. We're using turkey calls to try to call in a turkey, and sometimes we use those calls and they call in other hunters. And I know what you're thinking. Well, we use hen calls to try to call in turkeys. Most of the time we do. Sometimes we use gobbles to try to call in a gobbler. But even though we're using hen calls, I can tell you numerous times that I've been in the woods hunting and I have heard a hen yelp or cluck. And I have immediately either sat down or walked in that direction of where I heard that hen calling to sit down and call to see if I hear any drumming or if I can get that hen turkey to come in to me and maybe she has her boyfriend with her. So just the sheer fact that we're working turkey calls in the woods adds a big element of danger to the sport of turkey hunting. All right, so I don't want to sound all preachy-preachy here, but I'm trying to defend something that I did that I have said on this show, and I'm not denying it, that it is unsafe. It is unsafe. I still say it. It is unsafe. I still say it is not smart to use a fan on public land. I still do not recommend using a fan on public land, but I also don't recommend that we text and drive. I also don't recommend that we drink and drive. I also don't recommend that we speed. I also recommend that we wear seatbelts at all times while we're on the road. This goes on and on and on. In fact, most of the actions on that list that I just went through about drinking and driving, texting and driving, not wearing seatbelts, most of those things are illegal. What I did was not illegal in Idaho. That doesn't make it safe. Again, I'm not arguing whether or not this was safe or unsafe. All I'm arguing is that it was no more unsafe at that point in time for me to use that fan in that situation on public land than it was for me to use a fan on private land. I will never recommend you guys do that because I don't want to ever hear about you guys being involved in an accident because of something that I said was cool. Go do it. I am now moving on to the rest of the story. I got the fan out of the back of the Suburban. I crawled back to the edge of the road, a whopping six, maybe eight feet to the edge of the road. And as soon as I pop up over the hill with the fan and look down at the turkeys, I see that the gobbler is standing on a stump 
in full strut. He's not moved. He's 70, 75 yards away. And the Jake sees the fan. And when he sees the fan, the Jake goes, yaw, yaw, yaw. And about three or four seconds later, the gobbler that's in full strut, standing up on the stump with his butt to me, turns a little bit. And he looks over at my direction. And I'm moving that fan just enough to give it a little bit of motion, a little movement, a little life. And that turkey looks at me and his waddles turned blood red like that. I immediately got the reaction I wanted to get out of that turkey. He went from being the man showing off for anybody that would look at him to all of a sudden now he thinks he's got to prove his manliness to another turkey that's displaying in his territory. So he stands there in full strut on the stump, waddles blood red, looking at me, stands there for probably 15, 20 seconds, and then he looks down, and he looks back up at me, and he looked down again, and he hopped off of my side of the stump, and he started walking my way back up the hill that I think he had just come from. Now, at this point in time, I only see two turkeys. I see the gobbler, and I see a jake. They're both walking my way. The gobbler took maybe five or six steps towards me, and I see a third turkey. The gobbler took two or three more steps towards me, and I saw that that third turkey had a beard as well. Now I'm looking at two long beards and a jake, all three of them moving my direction. The strutter that was standing on top of the tree stump out in the clear cut comes up to another stump and jumps up on that stump and goes down into full strut. He stood there for about 10 seconds, and he jumped off of my side of that stump, and he kept coming. He's walking up the hill towards me, and every tree stump that was between me and him, he jumped up on to display and show his dominance. It was really pretty cool to watch. Now, at this point, I am wishing that I could get John out of that truck and get him over to me with his gun, and that we could double on these turkeys. But we need a turkey down in Idaho. And I had turkeys coming closer to me and getting closer to being in range. I didn't want to mess that up. Now that strutter is continuing to come. Every stump that he gets to, he jumps up on and he goes down into full strut. He gets about 50 yards from me. He jumps up on the stump, goes into full strut, and I can hear him. And he jumped off of my side of that stump, and he kept coming my direction, walking uphill the whole way. He jumps up on another stump, goes down into full strut. He put his head down to look before he jumped off of that stump, and when he did, I shot. He fell over off the stump, and he never moved. I thought that if I got a shot at the turkey, that the other turkeys would run off when they heard the boom from the gun. But they didn't. They kept coming, and they continued to walk up the hill after I shot and rolled my turkey. And I'm holding the fan with my left hand. I've got my gun in my right hand, and I said, John, get out of the truck and get over here and shoot this turkey. Well, John couldn't see the turkey that I shot or any of the other turkeys from where he stopped the truck. He's still sitting in the driver's seat of the truck. And in fact, when I turn around to look at John to say, hey, get out here and get my gun and shoot this turkey. I see John's got his cell phone in his hand, and he's videoing me fanning this turkey in. 
So when I realized that these turkeys were continuing to come our direction, and I said, John, get out of the truck and come over here, get my gun and shoot this turkey. He has no clue that I've killed a turkey. He has no idea what in the world is going on. So John gets out of the truck and he comes over there to me and I hand him my gun and I pointed and I said, shoot that turkey right there. And the turkeys had gotten very nervous at this point because they saw all of the movement. They saw John getting out of the truck and coming to me and it obviously alerted them that something wasn't right. And so they started down the mountain and as soon as I give John my gun, he clicks the safety off, and about that time, the long beard that I pointed to for John to shoot takes off flying just as John squeezes the trigger on the shot. So, unfortunately, John is missed. But fortunately, we have one turkey down, and John did not cut a feather on the turkey that he missed. And here's how I know that. So, after I walk down the mountain, and for a flat-footed southern boy, this is a mountain. It's very steep. It's probably, I don't even really know how to judge it, but it's probably a 70 degree grade down off the side of the road to where the turkey was when I shot him and just folded him up. I start down there. I get the turkey. John's taking pictures of me the whole time because I think he's waiting really for me to fall and roll all the way down the mountain. (laughs) But fortunately, I didn't do it. So I got the turkey. I'm walking up, carrying the turkey up the mountain, take a couple of pictures. We tag the turkey, throw the turkey in the back of the Suburban. So we get back in the Suburban. We're driving out. We drive down the mountain. And we got, I'm going to say, 100 yards from where we last saw the turkeys that were with the one that I shot after they flew. And we're in the truck. Windows are rolled down. We came around a curve in the road, and there's a little drainage across the road, a little bit of water. We went through that, and because it's a pretty sharp curve, I got the front of the Suburban around that curve, and I pressed the gas. Well, the tire spun on the Suburban, and the turkey that John missed gobbled about 100 yards up into the woods. So I pulled up about 50 or 75 feet up the road so that I wouldn't be in the way and so that John could get out without moving a whole lot. John got out grabbed his gun, went into the woods, and tried to work that bird in for a little while, but could get no response out of him whatsoever. So John jumps back in the truck, and we head out, and we stop by the little piece of private land that we have permission to hunt, just to check to see if there's a long beard out in the gentleman's garden or out by the bird feeder, and there was nothing there. Now, before I go any further, I want to go back and touch on the hunt where I fanned that turkey in and talk about something real quick. So, in hindsight, and I always say hindsight's better than 2020, what I should have done was told John to climb through the Suburban and out the passenger door, stay low, and come up behind me while I'm holding the fan because those turkeys were continuing to come. Those turkeys were not spooked in the least little bit until they saw the movement from John getting out of the truck. So regardless, we had a bird down. We needed three more. I'm hating the fact that John didn't kill that turkey, but I'm excited about getting my Idaho bird and the prospects that we literally had five full days to get three more birds. Now, really, I'm praying that we get three more birds in another day and a half and get to Oregon for three days to try to at least get a couple of birds there. Okay, now, after my kill, 
I'm guiding John, and John is hunting. We head out of the public land to check the two private land spots. We find nothing there, and we decide it's time to go grab lunch at the lodge, clean my turkey, drive into town, get another permit from the Idaho Fish and Wildlife Department that will get us onto about 50,000 more acres of public land. This is permission-only land. You just have to have a permit to access the property. And that's what we needed to do, was go into Coeur d'Alene and get a permit. Now, at this point in the day, it's pretty warm. The temperature at that point is probably in the low 80s. So I talked John into a little road trip, and we drove about 30 miles south of Coeur d'Alene to Zips, which is this little hamburger chain in the area. And we drove there to get a Huckleberry milkshake. I don't know if you guys have ever had huckleberries or if you've ever had a huckleberry milkshake before, but this thing was worth a 30-minute drive. It was really good. So with huckleberry milkshakes in hand and permits in hand, we were off to check out this 50,000 acres of public land to hunt. All of this public land is walk-in only, and our plan is, worst case, to find a few spots for the four of us to hunt the next morning, and best case, to get John a bird there Monday afternoon. Now, we parked at one of the access points that the lady at the Fish and Game Department pointed us to, and we started walking up the road into the property, and it didn't take long before we saw a few turkey tracks, and then some turkey poop, and then some feathers, and then more tracks, and more poop, and more feathers. There was turkey sign all over the place on this piece of property. The problem is, none of it looked like it was gobbler sign. It all looked to be hen sign. So we basically hunted there until dark. We didn't get anything roosted. We went back to the truck and drove back to the cabin, ate dinner, got up Tuesday morning to get after the birds again. Once again, Tuesday morning found us on the piece of private land listening because we were told by Chip and Brian that Monday morning, two of the gobbling turkeys that we heard gobbling flew down and went the direction of the private property, which kind of corresponded with what the landowner told us, which is that the birds were coming onto the property later in the day, that they weren't there right at daylight. So John and I went to the private land, and we didn't hear much gobbling at all. We heard maybe three turkeys gobble two or three times each. And just like Monday, we left there, and we went to the 8,000-acre piece of public land that I killed my turkey on Monday morning. We made our usual stops. I dropped John off at one spot where we had a turkey gobble just after flydown, and as we started off of the mountain towards the bottom where the turkey was, we jumped two deer, and of course, the deer ran right to where the turkey was gobbling, and he quit gobbling. So we went in and we checked a couple more spots within the public land. We didn't have anything going on. We left and we went to the private land. And when we got back to the private land, we'd gotten a text message from Brian and he had killed. So we now had two birds down. And John at this point says to me, all right, I'm just going to go and sit on the edge of this field that the landowner has disked and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to wait. So I said, that's fine. 
you do that. I'm going to sit in the truck and I'm going to work. So John walks off from the truck, goes into the woods and sits down. I'm sitting there in the truck working and the landowner comes walking up and he comes up to the window of the truck and he says, a turkey just walked across the driveway and down behind the equipment right here to your left and was going that direction. He pointed straight ahead of me. So I said, was it a male turkey? And he said, yes, it had a red head. And I said, was it a long beard? And he said, I don't know. I didn't see that. He said, but it walked right behind your truck. (laughs) It walked right behind your truck. You didn't see it? I said, no, sir. I was sitting here working. I was looking at my computer and I wasn't paying any attention to any of the mirrors or anything or even looking out of the windows. And he said, well, he just walked right down there. I mean, just a minute or so ago. And so I looked kind of in the direction that he pointed and I said, well, there he is right there. And I could see this red head just above the bank where it drops off down to where the turkey was. I could see this red head going from my left to my right. I put my binoculars up, trying to see if there was a beard. I couldn't tell if there was a beard on it or not. I kind of felt like it was a Jake, but I didn't know for sure. Just to be safe, I sent a text message to John. I said, hey, there's a male turkey. Not sure what it is, but he's just walked behind the truck away from the field that you're sitting on, and he's headed towards the woods behind the house. So I pulled up the map on my phone. I dropped a pin, took a screenshot of it, sent it to John, and said, here's where the turkey was. This is the direction the turkey's going, and John said he was on it. So John leaves the field and starts walking back in the direction that I saw the turkey, and he stops and calls, and a turkey gobbles, but it's not the turkey that I saw. This turkey gobbled from a different direction, and so John works into the area where the turkey gobbled from. He sits down, he calls, and he said the turkey starts moving towards him. He's gobbling every time John calls to him. And he's coming, he's getting closer. John said he's watching this turkey come downhill in a field, walking straight to him. He said the sun was shining on the turkey's feathers and he was absolutely beautiful. So here's the story from my perspective. I'm sitting in the truck working. And of course, now I'm looking in the mirrors and I'm looking out of the windows, trying to see if there's any other sign of that male turkey that I saw walking or if I see any other turkeys. And I've been sitting there for maybe 20 minutes after I texted John with the screenshot of the map of where I saw that turkey and I hear boom! I immediately start fist pumping. I'm fired up now. There's a good chance John has a bird down and that'll be two of us that have birds down and the two of us can load up and go to Oregon and start scouting and killing in Oregon. And then all of a sudden, my joy and excitement is interrupted by another shotgun shot. Boom! And I'm starting to think probably the same thing that you guys are starting to think right now. And that is this. The two shots were too far apart for it to be a miss and a follow-up shot. There was a good 45 seconds, maybe 30 seconds between the two shots. So it's not like a boom, boom, where you shoot, miss, and you have a follow-up shot. It sounded to me like it was shoot and wound, and the second shot was the kill shot. At least that's what I'm hoping. 
and there are a hundred different scenarios running through my mind at this point. So after maybe five to ten minutes, I'm starting to expect to see John coming out of the woods and walking towards the truck. But I don't see John, and I'm beginning to wonder what in the world is going on, because he wasn't that terribly far away from the truck when he shot. A good five-minute walk is probably as far as he was, and enough time has gone by for him to have gotten this turkey that hopefully he shot, wounded, and shot and killed, and for him to get back to the truck. So another five minutes goes by, and I hear, BOOM! And I thought, okay, the first shot he wounded him, he went chasing after the turkey, shot at him and missed him, the second shot, and the third shot was the desperation shoot and miss or the jubilant shoot and kill. What is it going to be? After about 10 more minutes go by after John shot the third time, I see John walking from the bottom where he was up the road towards the truck. And I'm looking at him and I don't see a turkey. And he's still walking, steady walking, getting closer, getting closer. He's probably now 75 yards from the truck and I see a tail fan. And I see that he's carrying a turkey over his shoulder. And now we have three birds down with only Chip left to kill. So when John gets back to the truck, of course I have to get him to tell me the story of what happened. So to get back to where I was in telling John's side of the story, that bird is coming down the hill with the sun behind him, shining on him. John said he was absolutely beautiful walking down that grass field towards John. And John said that he got to the point where he felt comfortable, like the turkey was in range, put the sight on him, safety off, squeezed the trigger, and the turkey took off, boogered up, limping, and went diagonally down the hill, but away from John. So John gets up and takes off after the turkey, gets him tracked down, gets to a point to where he sees him, thinks he can get a kill shot on him, shoots, and he misses. And the turkey takes off again, walking down through these pines, limping, all boogered up. John chambers another shell and chases him down again. The turkey gets down into a little creek, down in the creek bank, and John walked up to him and finished him off. And so that's the story of John's turkey. John said that the turkey that he shot probably gobbled 20 or 25 times. I never heard the turkey that John shot gobble, but I did hear the turkey that I saw gobble. I didn't know that the turkey that I was hearing gobble was not the one that John shot because after John shot the first time, the turkey I heard gobbled never gobbled again. The turkey that I heard gobble gobbled probably eight or nine times, and John heard that turkey as well. So John was calling. He had the turkey that was coming down the hill to him that was gobbling, and then he had this second turkey gobbling, the one that I saw off in the distance as well. So as John's telling me the story of what happened, Chip and Brian pull up behind us in the driveway at this gentleman's house. They get out, and I said to Chip, there's another turkey down here that's gobbling. You guys need to try to go get on him. And so since John had already been down there and was a little bit more familiar with the land than I was, John and Chip took off down the hill. Brian and I stayed up at the top. Brian shared the story of his kill with me, which happened about an hour or an hour and a half 
before John and I showed back up at the private property where John went and sat on that disked field. That disked field is where Brian killed his turkey. So an hour or an hour and a half before John goes up there to sit on that disked field, Brian killed his turkey on that same exact field by crawling up on two male turkeys out there. So now on this private ground, probably no more than 200, 250 yards from this man's house, Brian has killed a turkey. John has killed a turkey. There's another turkey gobbling that Chip and John have gone after. So after Chip and John were gone for about 15 minutes, I see them walking up the road towards us, and they said that they couldn't get that turkey to gobble or do anything else after John's shot. So we all left and went back to the lodge where we were staying. It's lunchtime at this point. On the way back to the lodge, Chip called Joe, our guide in Washington, to talk to him because Joe made mention that he has a friend who lives in Idaho who owns some property that borders public land and that this friend had six turkeys in his backyard that morning. So Joe got Chip permission to go hunt this property and Chip and John took off on an hour drive to get to somewhere in Idaho. I can't even remember where it was, but it was about an hour away from where we were staying right there on the Washington-Idaho border. And they took off to see if they could get Chip a bird over there. While Brian and I stayed back at the lodge and researched public land hunting spots in Oregon and also looked for a place to stay in Oregon as well. Now, with the help of Joe, who came by to visit us while John and Chip were out at Joe's friend's place chasing turkeys, Joe gave us a little bit of information about Oregon because he's hunted Oregon many times before. And he told us where he likes to go and hunt in Oregon and that we should try that area. So I get online, I look up the public land there, and I see that it's a large chunk of public land. It's probably... I can't even remember, 100 or 125,000 acres. It is a big, big piece of public land. In fact, that area in northeast Oregon where we were has a ton of public land on it. So after figuring out that's where we were going to hunt, we now needed a place to stay. So I got on Airbnb, typed in the nearest small town to the public land that we were going to hunt, and lo and behold, I found a log cabin for us to stay in. Two bedrooms, one bath, full kitchen, roof over our head, air conditioning, which was nice. And it literally was steps away from the public land that we were going to be hunting. So I found the place that we were going to stay. I found the place that we were going to hunt. We are in business. Now all we need is word from Chip that he has done the deed and that we're ready to load up and go to Oregon. We got that word from Chip about an hour later that he had killed. So I booked the place that I found on Airbnb and started packing my stuff up. Our plan, because we knew that Chip and John were going to be back after dark, and if you remember from last week's episode, it doesn't get dark until 9 o'clock. We knew that they were going to be back either right at or right after dark. So we knew at that point in time that we would not be leaving Tuesday night to go to Oregon, that we would sleep in Wednesday morning, 
load the trucks, and head to Oregon. Which, interestingly enough, where we were going in Oregon was just south of the Washington-Oregon state line by about, I'd say, five, maybe seven miles. The distance that we needed to travel to get there was right at about 120 miles. Google said that it would take us three and a half hours to get there. Three and a half hours to drive 120 some odd miles. We had no idea what to expect on this drive. We had no idea what to expect when we got to Oregon, but we were going Wednesday morning. And that is where we will pick the story up next week. But next week, there's another very exciting hunt to share with you guys. So, you will definitely want to tune in for that. All right, before I cut you loose for the week, I'm going to ask you for another favor. And that favor is to please, if you haven't already done so, leave a five-star rating and review for the Turkey Hunter podcast on your podcast player application. That's a huge help for the show because it helps others who stumble across the show decide whether or not they want to they want to tune in to it. So I greatly appreciate it. And I have to say that I thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.